You are listening to the Two Chumps Football Podcast with Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino, sponsored by Bovada Sportsbook, the leading online sportsbook for all of your wagering needs. If you're a football nut like the two of us, then consider yourself a chump and realize that you're in the right place. Straight up no-nonsense football talk on a weekly basis. Now let's go tackle the issues. You are watching and listening to the Two Chumps Football Podcast. I'm Chad Wilson. That's Emil Calamino. And we are here for Emil already, week three of the college football season. We're heading into week two of the NFL season. We say this all the time, but it's moving. Is it re- okay, this is the real, okay, that's yeah, the real week three of the college football season. I lost track when they gave me that week zero. We're actually week four, but um, yeah. Four. No, no, we're week three. That first week was a zero. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can you can look at it that way. A lot of stuff going down. Do you still believe in Colorado? You have no reason to not believe at this point. Uh, we've got to get into what happened in New York on Monday night in front of millions, thousands on hand. The Aaron Rodgers, New York Jets era might be over just as fast as it started. Mel Tucker made the news. And I don't, you know, I don't know if he's on or off. I don't, is he fired, not fired? I don't know. We'll talk about the Mel Tucker situation briefly here on the show today. Alabama, how dare they lose? And is the dynasty over? Amla and I will address that. Of course, all of the college football action that went down last week, along with the NFL action. And, you know, the real reason why you're here. And that is our picks on the college football and NFL action that is coming up. They might be here for your picks right now. Well, they know this is a very long season. Um, <laughs> I'm hot right now. It's hot Sunday night, by the way, for God's sakes. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Monday you know, night. Monday night. Monday you were night. Hot. Sorry. Yes. You, oh, you, you were, fired, you were fired up. You were not a happy yeah, so camper forgive me on if night. I've got my days all messed up here. But, yes, you figure you lose Aaron Rodgers. You're the Buffalo Bills. You ought to cover the damn number. Didn't happen. But we'll get into that. We'll talk, about, right. we'll talk about that game a little bit probably at length um yes. so many storylines coming out of that thing right now all right let's get into it monday night monday night i listen i don't know the last time amel and maybe you can you know uh get me straight on this the last time the new york jets were this fired up and i'm talking about the fan base this fired up for a game um, when was the last time they opened up the season? This fired up for a game. It's 9-11. Crowd is jammed up. They're Do you screaming. want the answer? Yeah. I'm getting that serious. Give it to me. It's either, I think it was 1999. And the reason I say that, they were coming off an AFC championship game appearance. Mm. I believe Vinny Testaverde tore his, AC, his Achilles. Same Same injury. Achilles, man. When yeah. they say Achilles heel, you know, I guess that's what they're talking about. And the Jets. That's, and by the way, that's, as you know, that's probably the worst injury. It's in the worst. Of- it's the worst injury you can probably get right now um, as a football player outside of anything having to do with your neck and paralysis. Yeah. That and the patella tendon tear. Those are the like, those are the two worst things you can have happen when you're 39 years old, like Aaron Rodgers. Um, it could be a death sentence. So we will have to see 
where he is. You remember a guy down there, a guy down there did that same injury, Dan Marino, toward the end of his career. I mean, yes. and Marino was slow before the injury. After the injury, it was like the poor guy was dragging that leg with him. No, he was his, he was the statue that's out front of um, you know, Hard yes. Rock Casino right now. He was really <laughs> just an arm back there. Really uh, was. If something like that would have happened in this day and age, there's no way he could he could play um, with the way things are up front now, the way, you know, you've got to have some mobility at that position. And yeah, there's just no way he could survive. And so it's going to be interesting to see what Aaron Rodgers is if he decides to come back, because, you know, a decent part of his game is mobility in the pocket and escaping out of the pocket and throwing the ball down the field. But he does have an arm. Emil is a chance he could come back a better quarterback. If he decides to, you know, less, you know, I just find guys in a pocket. Remember what Peyton Manning was at the end there. So I, I don't I think know. I think you're trying to be kind to Jets fans out there, because first of all. I mean, I don't know. Is it that franchise? Did they do something <laughs> when Joe Namath predicted the win against the Colts? Right. And did he sell his soul to Satan to do I something wonder, to that franchise? I wonder if Jet fans, if at the time. You asked them and said, we will grant you guys this historical upset win over the Baltimore Colts in the Super Bowl. In exchange, you will have 50 years of, and is, has it been 50? It has. Yeah. Gosh. But not just Welcome 50 to- years of not winning. Wait, it's not 50 years of not winning the Super Bowl. It's really 50 years with about 44 years Pure agony. utter agony. agony. It's like yes. they, they've had little snippets where, the, you know, they made an AFC championship game, but then they immediately went back to being non-competitive pretty much. So you've got a big period of time where not only forget the Super Bowl. I mean, the Dolphins haven't won the Super Bowl, but at least they've had more competitive years than the Jets. Far more. They have. I, Amal, I, the way I think fan bases are, I have no, I, I couldn't tell you anything about 1969. I wasn't here. Right. Uh, but I think fans, if you ask them in this day and age, I think they would say, yeah, we'll take, we'll take the Super Bowl upset win right here and we'll mortgage 50 to 55 years of our future to, to do that. You wouldn't I do that. You're, you're a Cowboys fan. So no, but I think you're right. But I also think that's because fans, you, you make a funny point that's actually, you, you're right, because fans are very short-sighted. What they don't understand is only, like I say all the time, we talk about stuff, is one team gets to win it all, right? The other 31 don't, whatever sport. It's terrible to be a fan when your team isn't competitive. As much as you, you know, love that. Emil, it's not just competitive. It's the things that have happened to this franchise. Um, how about the whole Bill Belichick thing that happened? Um, you know, the, the stuff with quarterbacks, I mean, you've had all that happen. What's the, oh, there's been all kinds of things. There's Brett Favre, Brett Favre texting his junk to to the assistants. I mean, if you're from New York city, it's just been an unbelievable, um, unbelievable ride, but you know what? Everyone's talking about turf and, you know, there's no, it's the easy thing to point to because sure, it's the easy thing to see that has changed in the game is, is, is the turf, the move to field turf. 
I do think there's a bit of a thing with how teams are handling preseason. Guys aren't really playing in the preseason. And then you're going out there game one and a game one regular season game is a totally different speed. And maybe you're just not ready for that. If we just hone in, by the way, you know, when you saw the replay of, of, of the play that Aaron Rodgers got hurt and they slow, they slow mowed it. There was no doubt. You could see the Achilles tendon just give way, but. Oh no, no, he's, he definitely, but here's the thing. I think you're right about them not being ready for games with this particular injury, having played or not in terms of the injury itself, you're still going to get the injury where you may not get the injury is maybe your reaction time or something is, is, is more in sync. Like in other words, maybe he moves in other words. And I'm not saying in this case might not have mattered, but in a lot of cases, I think you're right. Guys aren't ready for the speed of a regular well, I, season. I, game. I, maybe your Achilles has to get warmed up. It's, it's got to go through a few things before you just hop out there and start going full speed. And it might be why we see a lot of these type injuries in the first three, four weeks of the season. Why not in week seven or eight when there's been repeated use? We don't, it, those things don't really happen then. They happen in those first three to four weeks. Well, I mean, you don't send a baseball pitcher out to the mound and tell him start throwing 97. They loosen up, right? Yeah, you got to take some warm up throws. You're warming up in right. the bullpen, you come out to the mound, you take a couple warm up throws. And then you're ready to go throw 100 miles an hour or whatever. So I think teams down the road are going to have to start rethinking how they handle the preseason. That might have something to do with the injuries. We all know, and, and you know, we're going to be the get-off-your-lawn guys right now. But we all know that football is handled differently in terms of how the kind of load you could put on guys in practice per the rules yeah. uh, and, and then the preseason stuff. So – Teams are really. It's a little bit of an oddity to me, Chad. What I what I find is I think part of the reluctance of coaches and and management to put players in preseason games is you you lose a really talented starter, and it's like we lost them in a game. It doesn't matter. But my argument is always you lose guys in practice too. So I mean, but does it matter, Emil, if I lose a guy in in a preseason game or I lost them in week one? Does it matter? No. That's my point. I mean, you're agree you're agreeing with me. What I'm saying is, so we don't play a guy the entire preseason, and he goes out and practice, and tears an ACL. I mean, it can happen. It does happen. So why not get ready to play? I'm not saying go out there and play whole game an entire game because it's a long season. No, but get but, ready to play. I'm with you. And yeah. if something happens, something happens. I mean, that's you know. I mean, it happens in other sports. The Dodgers lost their starting shortstop. In the second exhibition game, the Phillies lost their starting first baseman in the first or second exhibition game. It happens. Guys yeah, get football's hurt. Football's a violent game. So, you know, the odds are higher. And that's why you have 53 men on a roster and you've got larger practice squads now. And, you know, it is it is what it is. It sucks when it's a marquee quarterback, um, you know, especially the way the game is set up and salary caps are set up and all that other stuff. Now the Jets, there's a lot of talk out there about options and particularly bringing someone in. I like that Robert Sala came out and said, you know, Zach Wilson's our quarterback. I like that he said that after week one. Now, three, four weeks into this thing where Zach is doing Zach Wilson type stuff, at least what we've seen him do in the league. I don't know, Robert Sala might. But I mean, like, you know, I say, what is your, what are your real options, right? I mean, people 
Brady. Dream these, bring yeah. Brady back. No, uh, that's been canceled. At least. People dream these things up, but if it, put it this way, if there was a legitimate option out there that was better than Zach Wilson, that guy would probably already be on a team, most likely. I mean, I've heard people say Philip Rivers, this uh, Carson Wentz. Is Carson Wentz really, at this point, what we've seen from Carson Wentz, is he that much better? Not an option. And why would I stunt or retard whatever growth that could happen with Zach Wilson here this year? Um, I've heard Cam Newton. I've heard Colin Kaepernick. I've heard, um, of course, you know, everyone was itching to throw Tom Brady's name out there. But nothing real. Um, Maybe the only legit thing that I heard maybe was um, Colt McCoy, who uh, who the Cardinals let go. And that's not to come over and t- take over things. You do need to have a guy ready if something happens to Zach. Well, I, I think I think the big thing for the Jets, you know, they're going to have uh, dampened expectations, which may be a good thing. They have a good defense to lean on, and they have two good running backs. So they're going to have to just change the way they play or plan to play, I think, right? I mean, I know Garrett Wilson's a great receiver, but – you know, if I'm the Jets, I'm playing the game close to the vest and trying not to hurt my defense. And maybe I can steal some games with the old school style defense kicking game. <laughs> Run the ball. Yeah. Is that what is that what you want to do? You want to steal games and hang on or are you trying to get into the playoffs and do things? Because we all know what happens when you get into the playoffs unless you are the 2000 Ravens or the 85 Bears. No, I'm saying get in the playoffs that way. I mean, listen, I think unless something changes miraculously and Zach Wilson is a completely different player than what I've seen to this point in time. And I'm Monday night for, for that, for that matter. Mm. Uh, I don't think the jets are going far if they get in the playoffs, but I think it'd be a good season for them given what's just happened. If they can be a playoff team, I'd be highly motivated if I was the jets and how long that lasts. I don't know. It was right. definitely there on Monday night. After Aaron Rodgers went down, there was two ways they could go there, and they went the positive end of it and, um, you know, did what they had to do defensively, ran the ball very well, won the football game. We have seen this at least twice in the history of the NFL and Super Bowls where, you know, a defense and a running game was relied upon and, and you know, a team got to the Super Bowl and won it. So we'll have to see here. Switching gears, Amol, the big story in college football all of last week, or at least for several days, was what's going on in Michigan State with Mel Tucker. Emil, I've got to be honest, I don't remember what day it was, Friday, Saturday, that this headline came out. I think it was Saturday. Had to be Saturday. Would have had to have been Saturday because he coached the game on Saturday without, you know, incident. The headline came out Saturday, and I didn't pay much attention to it. I was like, okay, um, what's that about? And then... You know, Sunday, there was no ignoring it. And no. you started getting details. That was the part that you you couldn't ignore it. It's because now you got details. USA Today, um, you know, got, got an article there in which you, statements made by Mel Tucker, which was the biggest thing to highlight, statements made by Mel Tucker and some depositions that he had as the, the uh, university was investigating the incident, the complaint by Brenda, um, and I'm forgetting her last name, but you know, she had made a complaint. And by now, everyone knows the peripheral details. I'll say this, Emil, you know, um, I had feelings about it after reading the story. 
Uh, and my initial feelings that still sit here is why would he put himself in that position? You're a married man. You're a leader of a you know, prestigious program in college football. Why would you put yourself in that situation? But history has been, <laughs> history is full of men that have um, been taken down for, you know, situations like this. I, you know, But that was my initial thought, um, which, you know, quite frankly, still exists. It's just, there's more, it seems, to the eye. What, what say you about what's going on at Michigan? No, I mean, my whole thing is I don't think we know until the onion gets peeled back. Uh, you know, the knee jerk is, is obviously what you said. I mean, that was my reaction. Like, why would you be that stupid to do to do this but again you know let let's let let's let it play out let let the guy have his day and if it's true well then he deserves what he's gonna get he deserves to be fired and 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 that's that but let's see what happens because we over the years we've been we've been faked on many stories see what Uh, happens is a tough thing in this day and age because everyone's racing to be first have the first nugget say the first thing it's a very difficult thing to um follow in this day and age so well, he's not going to even get that i mean he's he's fired right or at least uh it's seemingly uh, so amel either yeah. way i just think it would be very difficult for him to get up in front of those troops and command them and get the amount of respect that would be needed to have michigan right. state run at at the you know at the level that it would need to run you're in the big 10 this is ohio state this is michigan this is penn state if you are looking to topple those teams at the top, which is why they signed you to a $95 million contract. They didn't sign you to that, to have you be middle of the road. So to get to that point where you could command those guys, I think that would be very, very difficult with the details that we know for sure. So, you know, how could you, how could you command accountability and demand certain things from those players, given what you admitted? Yeah, I I I agree. I did find this interesting though, Emil. From what I understand and the report that I had read was that this investigation has been going on for at least the entirety of this year. And the details of it, because the the, the person who filed the complaint did not want her name released. So successfully over this period of time, the, the details were kept under wraps. At some point, the decision makers at Michigan State felt that the board of trustees needed to know what was going on. And soon thereafter, almost immediately upon telling the board of trustees, the details got leaked out, including the name of the person making the complaint. I don't want to get into, I believe her name's Brenda Taylor, get into her history, which, you know, I did some reading up on. I find that to be interesting. Because to me, that says there's some people on that board of trustees that either A, didn't want Mel Tucker to be the coach at Michigan State, or now currently don't think he should be the coach at Michigan State and felt that by leaking these, they could accelerate the end game that they wanted. Well, yeah, and it's also a problem just from the overall standpoint of you, you expect you expect your board of trustees to have high integrity and maintain confidentiality the name trustees is in this damn thing for yeah i mean it, it is kind of odd because i mean if you, it, you did that timeline nicely and that is where the leak came obviously at some point nobody knew about this it goes to the board of trustees everybody knows about it yeah suddenly it's all out there it's like telling your loudmouth friend 
about something at school and she, you know, hits everyone in the lunchroom with it. And now everyone knows. So, I mean, the chances are, I mean, listen, like you said, he's probably never going to be the coach at Michigan State again. But I, I think we need to let the whole process play out because there's nothing you and I know that that anyone can't read. <laughs> yeah, Where, I think this just is know, really going to come down to a battle of money. And what do they give him in severance? There's still 85, 80 to 85 million dollars on the table there. Um, that's worth fighting for. And that's exactly what Mel Tucker. Sure. Doing. And if it go, if it's all true, his, his, there could be an irony. Isn't his wife an attorney? That's going to be the hardest part of this whole thing. So she she could be she she could be going after Michigan State so she can get her half. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I am fighting on behalf of my husband soon to be my unhusband. Yes. Yes. This is a uh, more to come for sure. There's another big story though in college football. There was. I'll yes. I'll let you kick that. There's topic several. Off. The big one, though, and you touched on it in the opening, is there was a game on Saturday night, which, by the way, drew some high ratings. I think I think they said I just read nine million people watch, which is not as many for- as watched Colorado beating Nebraska. Holy right, right. Sanders. Holy right. Yeah, we'll get to that game. But, but uh, you know, Alabama was home. Uh, they were installed as a seven, a seven and a half point favorite against Texas, a team they beat last year by one point at Texas. Uh, you know, I think there was a po- big chunk of the country that figured te- Alabama was going to show Texas what's what. And that's not what were happened. you part of that group? I know we didn't pick the game, but. No, I was interested in the game. I mean, if you for I'll admit, if you forced my hand going into it, I would probably say I would have taken Alabama, but I I, I barely I was definitely I Texas plus the points. Did hey. I did was would I have bet money on Texas winning? That would have been a harder thing for me to do. But Emil, I I may have mentioned as much on the show that I think you know we're near the end for for Saban. I don't know what you else did. left for him to do other than to start walking down on the other side of the mountain, your best assistant in all your years at Alabama left, went to Georgia and he has recreated what you started at Alabama. And right now he's doing it better than, than you are. Plus you've got to fight some forces coming into the sec, which is Oklahoma and Texas who just beat you on your home field. Plus Brian Kelly being at LSU and Jimbo Fisher, who, you know, obviously is um, underperforming, let's say, but he's been a thorn in, in you know. Yeah, it's from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, for sure. Um, you know, the, the thing that struck me watching that game more than anything, this is probably as weak as Alabama has been at the quarterback position. I do in, remember in the early Blake Sims. Remember that guy? Yeah, I do remember early part with Blake Sims, things not going as smoothly. However, we weren't really, I would say, in a period where offenses were as important as they are now. But things were a little sketchy early on with Blake Sims. And uh, I, I mean, they're going to have to and you, you made you made this point. And, and ironically, when you did, Alabama scored when we were talking during the game. They're going to have to change that offense to fit him. Because his first instinct, as soon as he goes back, his first instinct, if his first read isn't open, is to just run. 
I mean, it's like watching the, you know, we used to make the jokes about Kaepernick when he was playing. Uh, yeah. We'd say it was like watching the fifth grade. That game was recess. That played. Yeah. Uh, every play was game. a broken play. Yes. Every play is a broken play. And when you watch this kid play every play, if the first read isn't open, then it, then it becomes a broken play because he just wants to run him. He has no, he's not comfortable in the pocket. You know, yeah, he, not he his nature through. to go through the, the quarterback pocket passing processing. Um, I, you know, I text you as much, I think on Saturday during the Colorado Nebraska game, the kid, Jeff Sims, that's just like, put the kid on designed runs, turn him into a running back who can throw. Let's not have him stand back there and go through all this processing. Like he's a pocket passer. He's just not that he's has not been classically trained as a pocket passer. So let's stop fooling ourselves. Let's not trash the whole season, which Nebraska is about to do if they continue along those lines and Alabama may be doing the same with well, that, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking Bill O'Brien and Nick and Nick Saban are smart and we'll you realize also be that. smart and stubborn though. Sure. We're going, well, we're going to find out. We're not going to find out soon enough, but they, they have enough games coming up in the near future against teams that can beat them. We're going to find out if they're that stubborn. Now, Nebraska, Matt rule, shocked me on Saturday well transitioning over to that game mentioned you were mentioning eyeballs um that game was deceiving you and I were t- talking during the game with any kind of quarterback play you know Nebraska easily could have been leading that game by 10 points at halftime and we're having a completely different discussion today because their defense just got completely disheartened in my mind and worn out by the time yeah the and I want to say there was at least a 17 point turnaround. I mean, they got down there in a, in a red zone where it would have been a chip shot field goal, fumble the football. Um, Then another turnover when they were going in again, that could have been seven, but instead Colorado went seven the other way. So yeah, when your, your defense is going to get, I mean, it's, it's not fun chasing around the playmakers that Colorado has at the skill positions right now and the way Shadur Sanders is playing, they were, he was finding the, the, the treading tough early on in the game, quite unlike what he had going on against TCU. But after a while, um, it gets to be tough. And if you aren't getting the points back on, you know, with your offense, you kind of run out of gas, which it looks like. And and, you know, I want to give what I'm going to say here, some context, because I'm not a hater by any means. And, you know, I know Colorado won one game last year. So already this has been a wild. They've improved by a hundred percent. Yes. And, you know, the media loves a good story and nobody brings more excitement than Dion. He did it when he was playing ball. So there's, you know, why should I expect less when he coaches, but you know, in these first couple games, the excitement around Dion and, and them playing better, you know, they've, they've had some things masked um, the game one against TCU, you know, obviously the defense was bad. Uh, the game against Nebraska, their quarterback got dropped six times. Okay. In, in the excitement of the win, some things are getting glossed over that if they don't clean them up, when they start playing better competition, the narrative is going to change a little bit. Well, so when would you be impressed 
They've got Colorado State. Well, they're they're going to win this week. I mean, listen, they're going to they're going to win. I expect them to really drill Colorado State. Their program's gone in the wrong direction the last four or five years. They, if they, they go to Oregon and win at Oregon by any, if they mark. go to Oregon and win at Oregon. You know, which by the way, I'll be just so you know, I'll be rooting for Colorado. I'm not an Oregon fan, sure. so by any means, we all know where your allegiance lie in the yes. Pac-12 if, and in college yes. football. If they go, if they go to Oregon and win, and and I'll have my Buffalo hat on, <laughs> then I'll color me impressed because that will be their first test, where they're in a hostile environment against a team that has on paper more talent than them. If they go Amol to Oregon and lose by seven to ten points, no, I'll be listen. If they go there and play competitive football, it's a success. And I know there's coach speak will say you know there's no moral victories, but as and somebody analyzing the sport, not coaching it, I would say if they go to Oregon and play very competitive, even even if they don't win, I'm going to be impressed because this is going to be a test for them. It's going to be a test for guys like Travis Hunter, who's going to play both ways, a hundred and some plays against a team that's going to test them, <laughs> you know, athletically. I mean, let's face it, the step up in class, TCU's roster is not Oregon's and you know they're not the TCU of last year. Mm-hmm. Nebraska has been down for more than a decade. I mean they've been winning 3 and 4 games. The the only thing we saw on that field Saturday was the laundry. We remember Nebraska guys our age. That's about it. And Colorado State, you know, whatever. It's an in-state rivalry you play it every year. Oregon's going to be the first team they see where where it's going to be would, a step up. I would say this, Emil. If I'm going to make this bold statement nothing as bold as that's come out of Colorado um, either before the season or now that the season started off um, 2-0. If they go to Oregon and win, in my mind, they are the favorites to win the conference. Why do I say that? Because regardless of what happens the following week when they take on USC, you can expect them to be a little spent emotionally, maybe even physically, when you've got Oregon and USC back-to-back. However, losing the USC, short of just getting completely blown out, which I can't really see happening, those two teams, if you can go to Oregon and win, chances are those two teams would meet again in a championship game. Would you agree? There's a really good chance that that could happen. And you know how meet again. Can that is that a possibility? Colorado. Oh, it's a possibility. Because we don't, you know, we don't have the divisions anymore. Um, I would, and you know how I am, just at least at least from a handicapping standpoint, I would favor Colorado in a rematch. I'm going to basically, if it ends up being Colorado and USC, and they have a fairly tight game in this game that's coming up here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to favor whoever lost that first matchup. Unless it was clearly shown that one team's better than the other. I'm going to favor whoever lost that matchup in a rematch. That's just kind of like a handicapping common sense. Stuff. Okay. Now that we've seen Colorado play for a while, I said they'd win five games. You said they'd win four. Yes. We own, we own when we're wrong, right? Oh, and I'm wrong about that. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to put this out there. It's yeah. on the film. Okay. Colorado have four losses this year. Okay. And I happen to have a schedule here in front of me. You're putting that out there. Would that change if they went to Oregon and won? 
Sure, read me the rest of their schedule. I don't have you know who they've got I this get it. Oregon, USC. Loss. Loss. Two losses. Two losses. Go ahead. All right, because I'm going to do this twice with you. Arizona State. Win. Stanford. Win. That other team in L.A. Off of a bye. Win. Oregon State. Loss. Arizona. Win. Washington State. Win. And then they end at Utah, and you're going to call them. Loss. Four. Okay. You win at Oregon, right? You won Colorado State. You come out of Oregon game undefeated, right? Let's go through the schedule again. USC. No, no. The, the only thing would change for me is is that one game because here's the really? thing. Yes. So you don't like them at home against Oregon State if they can beat Oregon on the road? No, no because tell I think actually there's – I'll tell you why. I think Oregon and USC – are very similar in athletic ability, except for one thing. USC's got the best quarterback in college football, and it's it's not close. Right. Um, I, that guy I'll definitely give you that, and kudos to you. That guy plays, and I, this is not. The, I remember the first time I saw him. He wasn't a USC player. I'll tell you, I was watching the Texas game. They were losing. Rattler was there. It was twenty-one nothing or something like this. This kid comes in and went crazy. I, I never forget the. He ran right up the center of the field, 70 yards, and I get on my computer. Who is this kid? Right. Okay. He plays the game. So from what I've seen in my time in college, watching college football at a different level that I haven't seen a kid with that athletic ability process the game. Okay. I got so, you. You, you, you still like USC to win regardless. So of what I'm trying to say is I think Oregon and USC are similar athletically. USC has got a better quarterback. I think that's a better matchup for Colorado. Uh, and I still think USC has more more talent than Colorado, so they're going to lose think, that. Game. I guess I'm saying you think the physicality of Oregon State and Utah is going to be and Utah. I think that's a. I think what Nebraska showed me on Saturday, minus basically playing a game without a quarterback. Sorry, but that <laughs> that's not a college quarterback. He played the quarterback they showed for Nebraska. Me. Played for Colorado during the games. Yes, uh, basically <laughs> they put on film. A, a, a formula to beat Colorado. They took their, they dropped the quarterback six times and Oregon state is well coached. Utah is well coached. The, I think they're both a problem for what Colorado has right now in the style they play. So to me, if they upset Oregon, I, I hope they do go buffs. Okay. It's three losses. If they don't four. that's, and guess what? You, you're going to, you're going to remind me of this if I'm wrong. And even if I'm right, it's still a great year. If Colorado finishes eight and three or eight and four, nine and three, it's a great year. If even with this two and zero start, if Colorado ends up on the other side of five hundred, it's a great year. And oh, they're not. I, I, after seeing what I've seen, now I'm not that crazy. I would almost be shocked if they don't win seven games. Well. Yes. The Washington State game, it took you a while to answer. Well, well listen, that's Washington seven and, that's 7 and 5. Right? Yeah, Washington State's you know a, a sneaky pesky team. Um they, they show are, Wisconsin. And it's and it's, yeah. it's at I, is it home? 
Let's see where that game is because it matters that time of year. It's at Washington State that time of year with that kind of offense. Yeah, there's 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 a few places where weird things happen in college football. Lubbock, Texas, Corvallis, Oregon, and up in Washington State. Okay. <laughs> okay, so seven and five. And then on any given Saturday, those powder blue boys in LA can pull something out of their oh, listen. The pack so this season's wide open for Colorado. It's wide we open. We talked about listen, we talked about this last week, the irony that is the Pac 12. Okay? Yes. In their last season, this is the best that this conference has looked in well over a decade. I think they're full of crap, man. Like, why did you wait till now? You know what I mean? You know, it's like well, the divorce it's, papers it's, it's, are signed, and now you're yes. going to get into a negligence? Now you're going to you send her roses? <laughs> <laughs> you're in a thong right now? And uh, we're, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah, so um, funny stuff going on. I think a lot of answers come in, in two weeks against Oregon. Um, and and then I think we can we can feel a little safer about any type of record predictions that we might want to make for Colorado. Yeah, and like you're yeah. saying, you're making a good point. We need to see how the game. You know, that's the hard thing for fans who don't watch some of these games. You you really can't can't understand what a game looked like from a box score. You you have to you have to watch a good chunk of the game just to see you know how how the game went what you're seeing with your eyes. And like you're saying, if this is a competitive football game, then you and I are going to feel a lot better saying that, hey. Yes, and we do need to see them against a complete football team. The first game you played an offense that didn't have a defense. Last week you played a defense that didn't have an offense. We want to see you when you've got at least 70 to 75% on both units when you face Yeah, and, and remember, Oregon, people don't – you know, people will sleep on Oregon a little bit because of the struggle at, at Texas Tech. Texas Tech is a tough place to play. They've got a pretty good team this year, too. I knew that was going to be a tough game for Oregon because that's, like I said, weird things happen in Lubbock, Texas. Okay, we've seen some really good Oklahoma teams go there, struggle. You know. Frankly, Texas Tech is an improved team that no one's talking about. The last yes. year and a half, um, they're showing up and they're trying to be accountable in uh, the whole college football deal. All right, I don't let's let's get into some of the action that happened on the field last week. I I've I've got to talk about. All right, if there's if there's anything as scary or scarier than Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes potentially taking over college football, or Alabama falling off the elephant. Which, by the way, Emil, I didn't get into this. I am here to tell you. And America and anyone listening to this right now, I want everyone to get ready for this. I'm going to make this prediction. Maybe I won't shock anyone with what I say. But the, when Nick Saban leaves Alabama, we are going to see the mother of bad fan bases in Alabama. We are going to see something that has never been seen in the history of fandom. Oh. That fan base will be insufferable. And I feel sorry for the Knicks coach in tuscaloosa alabama well the next you know like we always say you want to be the coach that follows the next coach because that next guy everything they do is going to be compared to Saban, and you're never going to reach those heights so you're, you you failed before you even began do you remember who came after the bear was it ray perkins who was it i don't remember might have been perkins uh, Gene Stallings won ninety two. Sorry, I, that was a Thanks. sore spot. Yeah, appreciate it. That's like that's like whatever announcer. Clark caught that, that ball. Matt Ryan. 
that said yeah. 28 down 28 to three. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't um, Dean Stallings. No, that's I like you telling was. me Dwight Clark caught that ball in, in 80. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't mean it, to, but Eugene Stallings won in 92. I'm thinking it was Ray Perkins. And there was, right. there was there was someone before him um, that the Hurricanes played. They played in 89. Dennis Erickson's first championship was not against – was against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl – but it wasn't Ray Perkins was the coach. I want to say it was uh, the name will come to me. I have his face. I just don't have the name. And this is kind of stuff that happens. Here, but... Well, the, the larger point you're making is the the, the guy that followed Bear struggled oh, no, mightily. That's... Yeah. It it better be somebody who this, I plan on this being my last coaching job because it will be. That fan base is going to be Amal. I saw a video of a guy saying that Alabama sucked after they lost to Tennessee last year. And um, that's the only thing from the video I can repeat that the guy said. I mean, it was a loss to Tennessee. My my two my two worst fan bases in the two major college sports, basketball and football, are Alabama when things aren't going well because they think it's their God-given right to win every year, and Kentucky in basketball. Same thing. You know yeah. what I mean? They, I think they this, just expect I think, that they're I think they will eclipse both of those. Are you a guy that can predict the future or may have a mean poker face? How about a love for horses or you just know who's going to win the game? Don't just be a profit, make a profit. And you can do that when you open an account at Bovada Sportsbook and Casino today. Whether it's getting down on the gridiron action, wiping out the dealer in a card game, making some change on the race of the ponies, or cashing in on celebrity events, Bovada Casino is the place for you to draw your line. Since 2011, Bovada has been a leader in the online casino industry, spearheaded by their top-of-the-line customer service, easy deposit, secure payouts, and great welcome bonuses. Head over to Bovada now to see what they're offering you to come in and scratch that itch you're having. Click on the link in the description and tell them the Gridiron Stud Show sent you. Yeah, so I think that's what we're looking at. But anyway, getting into it. University of Miami. That's the only thing that would scare people more than Alabama falling off in Colorado and Coach Prime taking over is this school right here getting back to the top of college football. Of course, they've legislated all of our dancing and antics out of it, but it's just the whole machismo of yeah. South Florida bubbling up back up to the surface after being down. The first time it was uh, no one expected anything, but having been there, falling down, being essentially crapped on for 20 plus years and coming back would be terrible for everyone. Like one of those horror movies. I could see active um, moves made to prevent that from happening. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Well, I told you, I told you they were going to be ready to play. You did. That was, that was your pick this weekend. Yes. Your best pick this weekend. But Emil, it's not the win. It's 48 points put on the board on an SEC defense and their Jimbo Fisher team. I mean, say what you want about Jimbo Fisher. He's a good football coach. Maybe he's, like sure. I said, has fallen short maybe a little bit in Texas A&M, but it's an SEC team against a good coach. You hung 48 on these guys. Van Dyke looked like a different player from what we saw last year. He did. I just – he looks a whole lot more comfortable in what they've got going on. I'm, you know, and not a shot at the play caller last year, but we're doing a much better job 
flowing the offense and making play calls on the offensive side of the ball. Do you think you can win this week? I think we've got a good chance of beating Bethune Cookman by they've seven. Lined, they, they've hung a line on that game. Do you know? Did they really? Is? Yes. There's a number. There's a number. Well, that means you still don't think much about us. You, you're not. So no. What do you think the number is? It has to be. What's the highest number you can? Fifty-six. You're close. Fifty-three. <laughs> Huh? 53. 53. Have you seen a number ever higher than I think 56 is where they max out. Have you ever seen a number higher than 56 on a game? <laughs> no, I've, I've rarely seen games in the fifties to be honest with you. Usually when it gets like that, they won't line them. I participated in a game as a 55 point underdog. Was that the long beach state Miami game? Yes. And they covered the number. So that's, <laughs> yes. you know, what can I say to you? But yes, university mm. of Miami looks really, really good. Um, and you know, listen, I, I would say that first game against Southern Miss showed me some things. It looked, there were big wins last year, but this win looked different. And so, you know, I was on board with you with that Texas A&M pick based on what I saw in that first game. And they exceeded obviously my expectations. Well, it would be exciting to see that Miami Florida state rivalry, you know, really mean something something that it wasn't last year. Yes. I agree with you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, definitely happy to see that. And that's something um, that's that's another thing where I just want to see week by week what we've got going on there. There were a couple of struggles early on that you text me about during during the uh, during Saturday um, where there was some use. And I think the term you used was playing with their food. Yes. Yes. They were playing oh, they were I, they, blowouts. Though. They're playing with their food like children. Like, you know, Georgia, you're, you're watching this going like, come like on, LSU, Georgia. Come on. Come like, on. wake up. LSU, wake up. (laughs) Let's get it together. You know, the slate wasn't really that great, Amos, so we we should probably just really get into our picks. And and let's let's recap last week because, you know, we'll start with college because let's let's face it, you you killed it. So you might as well take take a victory lap here. I'll take the victory lap. But for the second week in a row, Amos, I had some good fortune with uh, a pick. You know, the week you did, but you had bad fortune in the pros. Chad had Iowa minus four, got a winner there. He had the Rice Krispies who tried to give the game away outright, but they were getting nine. Were they up 28 nothing at one point? Yeah, they were up 28 nothing. So you got to win there. They won outright, but they tried to give it away. And then Baylor, you really were fortunate. You had the right side of the game. Baylor, for some godforsaken reason, had control of this football game midway through the fourth and gave it away lost 20 to 13 i shouldn't say utah took it from them utah was more physical but you got seven and a half so you were three and oh you're five and one in college football this year yes now me my only good pick was miami i i just had a feeling making them a home underdog going into that game was very disrespectful i felt emotions yeah i felt like they'd show up um i was I took Nebraska foolishly. And, you know, if I really had spent the time to watch Jeff Sims play, I probably wouldn't have taken Nebraska because they fought. I mean, you know. You might have said to yourself, no way this kid could do this two weeks in a row. And you know what he did? He did it two weeks in a row. Yeah, so they're on my do not playlist for a while. And uh, I took a loss there. And NC State was hanging in that game. They were down. I want to say seven, and they had a chip shot field goal. Kid missed it in the third quarter, and from that point forward, 
Notre Dame ripped off 21 points in a row. They won the game by 21. I College kickers, man. College kickers. They'll do you in every time. Well, you know, when you miss those field goals at those points in a game, it changes momentum, especially for an underdog, psychologically. It, it does. Amal, are we ready to say Notre Dame might be better than we thought going oh, into Oh, I think, listen, I think Notre Dame's a good team, and I think, and I, this is ingenious on my part, their entire season really comes down to if you broke it into fours, the first four games, they probably, we probably figured they'd win them all. And the last four, they should probably win. They have a, a stretch where they're home with Ohio state at uh, Louisville and Duke. I forget the order. And then home with USC. That's their season right there. You are right. I Can't mean, that's argue. their season. There yes. you go. So we'll see. Uh, since I'm, Two and four on the year. Let me go first because right now nobody wants to hear what I have to say. It's a very weak college slate this week. That um, it is for sure. Get some stuff done, folks. Uh, if 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 you want to build, get that honey build, honey do list is going to be hit this week. Yeah, if you want to build some some equity with your wife or girlfriend, get all your stuff done this week because next week there's better games. Okay, here's where we're going to start. I'm going to do some things I usually don't do. I don't like laying double digits on the road in college football. But to me, I look at Florida State in this game. I got them as 26.5-point favorites at Bovada. Uh, I look and I say, BC beat Holy Cross 31-28. to 28. Now, I know you're not supposed to do this, but Holy Cross 31-28. This is, to me... A name the final score for Florida State, okay? Yeah, and, and it'll kind of give you their mindset. Are they killers or are they satisfied? We're going to know this week. And I think they're kind of new to the party. They've been down a while. So I think they're going to take quite a bit of glee in stomping on someone's neck. So give me Florida State minus 26 and a half. Brings me to my next pick. Another team violating the same rule. Okay, oh but last Friday, last Friday night, I watched... Illinois at Kansas. I watched that game. You watched not the game? Long. Not in its entirety. There's no way. you had Not in its entirety. I oh. turned it on for a quarter, and I said, I've seen enough. <laughs> the final score was closer than the game. Kansas beat them by 11, 34, 23. It wasn't that close. Penn State's going there, and I was shocked that it's only 14 and a half. I, I, if Penn State doesn't win this game by 24 points or more, I, I'll be stunned. Okay, give me Penn State minus 14. You have oddly been a Penn State supporter in 2023, which is crazy. I, I think they have a good team. Um, the last one, I'm going to go with a principle I like to use. When everything's chaotic and it looks like everybody's running away from a team, I see value here. I think Michigan State's going to circle the wagons. You are going home there, aren't you? I am going there. They're getting 16 and a half points. Now, do I think they win the football game? No, but they've been pretty dominant their first two games against lesser competition. This is a nice road trip for Washington. I think this is one of those games where Michigan State can be pain in the ass, run the football, try to keep the score down, and maybe you know they're going to lose the game 34-24, something like that. I'm going to take Michigan State plus 16 and a half. Well, you know what I say when things like this happen – that first game is usually advantage to the afflicted. Um, yes. There's, there's a chance for different things to be done. The team will 
call different plays. They'll, you know, things will just be funny for lack of a better yeah, nobody, nobody knows the tendencies yet of this coach. Um, and like you're saying, I, I think that's that that place. And plus they can get into the whole, you know, it's us against the world, get a little bit of that me- mentality in this game. And you got a good Washington team coming in a top 10 team that should fire these kids up. I mean, you're, you're going to be on national TV. It's the best. Frankly, it's probably one of the better games of the weekend. I know it's a 16 and a half point line, but it's a weak card this weekend. Yeah, no, weakness is definitely the word to be used for this week's card. By the way, Harlan Barnett, the interim coach named by Michigan State, is definitely a uh, an accomplished and worthy coach. So there won't be any fall off in terms of just operations and the simple things. Uh, with Michigan State, so you might be you might be golden there. All right, okay. here's what I'm rolling with. Um, I've been I, like you've been a Penn State supporter in 2023. I came into the season a Duke supporter. I was rewarded handsomely early on uh, when they upset Clemson. I looked like a genius and you know got a W out of it. I'm going to stick with Duke because someone else in the Big Ten who is suffering um, through tragedy is the Northwestern Wildcats. Now, they on the field have not been able to handle things the way that they need to handle them. So um, I'm going to I'm gonna just back Duke in this particular contest. Duke has something to prove still, even though they uh, knocked off Clemson. I think they're on a kind of a mission, and this is the next step in that mission, is to beat the teams that need to be beaten, beat the teams senseless that need to be beat senseless, they did that last week when they uh, took out UTEP 38-7. That's a dominating performance following an upset rush to field win. And that shows me a lot here. So um, it's not like there's a... I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm getting you a line here above 18 and a half. You're laying I think that's what I saw. 18 and a half is what Bovada has. Yes. All right. So I'm going to roll with Duke 18 and a half. They could, you know, I see they can win this game by three plus touchdowns. Northwestern is um in North, northwestern northwestern's in, in rough shape that program's hurting right now yeah if there's one thing i'm noticing is that pat uh you know fisher was the glue for them um oh fitzgerald fitzgerald, fitzgerald was the glue yes. yeah fitzgerald was definitely the glue for this program and this team and he got those guys to play at uh at a, a level above what they were supposed to well, play. I mean, Northwestern, I think, has 5,000 undergrads. They're not, they're, they're kind of like a, a Vanderbilt in the SEC. They don't really belong, but he's gotten them to play with punch way above their weight, um, eight, nine, 10 win seasons. And I think that when he, the life came out of that program when he left it. Yeah. And so um, they won't rise to the surface uh, this weekend. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the ACC. And I get I get a little nervous with this team when they go on the road, at least last year, the way they ended up the season on road trips. Um, and I'm talking about Syracuse. Don't play on the road a whole lot. And when they have to, it hasn't been great. They're getting this game early in the season. So, you know, this indoor team doesn't have to face any, any elements outside. Another thing I like so far early on with Syracuse is that they're playing really, really good defense. They've only given up one touchdown so far on the season. Um, they're good offensively. And just Purdue has not been. And, and honestly, in this game, you really only need a win. So I kind of like where you're going here because uh, they're only a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, and, and Purdue hasn't exactly been impressive so far. Purdue did something great last week, went to Virginia Tech and won. 
So they may be a little giddy off of that, but this is the same team that lost at home and gave up 39 points to Fresno State. I, I think they're yeah. more that than what they were last week. And so I'm going to back. I, I, agree, I agree with you. I, I, I like the way you dug you dug that. That's actually probably one of the better games. Looking at this card. As yeah, I, I know. And you that's get that's how far you got to dig. Yes. Yeah, that's how okay. far you got to so dig. So we got Duke so far from you. We got we got Syracuse. What say you to keep this this winning streak going for your last one? Well, uh, you know, when when I when I'm going pick games from the SEC, I think I'm going to have to talk to to the folks out there watching and listening. Oh, Brian Kelly here. Here we go. Okay, so go I, I'm I'm going to slide on over with with them boys that didn't want a championship last year, Georgia. <laughs> They're going to welcome home the South Carolina Gamecocks, and I just think, man, um. Georgia's been kind of um pity pooting around, and I just think they're gonna go ahead and 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 like start to be Georgia. They're gonna like do Georgia type stuff. Give them a whooping this here weekend is like open the can because like last week they were playing around with Ball State there a little bit, and then uh you know eventually they they did Georgia type stuff. I think it's gonna carry it on over into this game here this week. You're, gonna, you're actually so, scaring me. You're doing that. You're doing I, that I mean, so well. Hey, listen, listen I, well, you gotta listen to me now. This is Georgia football. All right. <laughs> all right. So I think Georgia football is gonna be Georgia football from the beginning. And I just think we've been sold a bill of goods on this here South Carolina team because uh I'm just not feeling it, man. They let Furman get in there and get 21 points and then they lost to North Carolina in a in a in a little in a little you know um you know it was a, it was a little it was a little twenty seven and a half you're 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 not scared of that are you twenty seven and a half is beautiful because they're going they I just think twenty eight points at least in this victory if not thirty five forty two forty nine all right that's what I'm seeing like South Carolina I'm just not believing in at all so just give me Georgia and I'm gonna lay all them points did you say twenty seven and a half there twenty seven and a half. Twenty-seven and a half. Hey, will you give me that? In a, in a, and, in and I'll a tell you what. That one, I have, I have to say, after watching their quarterback against North Carolina, it could be a long day. Well, for South Carolina. Um, listen. SEC Scooter says Georgia minus twenty-seven and a half, and we'll give you okay. Send send him back to the room because we're gonna slide over to the NFL. We'll take my overalls off. All let right, me, we gotta get into. Let me give you a recap on the NFL from this past week. You're gonna go first, by the way, on NFL picks. Uh, last week I only had one winner. I had I had the Eagles, and I'll be honest, I you had, had to a sweat that one out. out. I had to sweat that out. They they were given three and a half. Belichick did some things in that game that were very un-Belichick like, like when he was down not eight points with nine minutes left, fourth and five on the Eagle twenty. He doesn't take the three. I don't know know what's going on with this guy, but he's gotten – look, he was already a little quirky. He's gotten downright weird over the last couple years. Because, I mean, that was so unlike him. You know, you take the three there to cut that eight-point lead, and at the end, it it pretty much cost them the game because they were in field goal range, but they needed a touchdown. So I won that game by five. My other two picks, I took the Seahawks, giving five and a half against the Rams. I have to be honest with you. I I was on board. I don't know what the hell happened there. The yep. Rams are not a good football team. I have Amo watched. I've so far I've watched every game that was played last week, minus that one. I saved that one for the end because I really want to be locked in and I want to know what the hell happened um in that game. I mean, Stafford went off. He threw for 300 and some yards. I mean, 
without his best receiver. I don't know what happened, but I lost that. And Maybe then I, he spread you know, it around more a, because Cooper wasn't here. That happens. I made a foolish pick. I trusted the Washington Commanders, Commandos, Redskins, whatever we're calling them this year. I gave seven against your Suns team. And frankly, Cardinals probably should have won that game. That's what um, I'm thinking. I Redskins, was there live watching yeah, it. There was one there. particular series. They were up 16-10, and they just kind of blew it. And um, it ended up that ended up being the, the tie turner there. They could have won that game easily. So I started the season one and two. Chad fared much better. He had the Cleveland Browns. What a pick there. They getting two and a half. They they just took it to the Bengals. Browns fever, baby. 21. You better catch it. You better catch that catch Browns it. fever. Then you went with the Jags. Nice pick there. Solid. They gave four and I don't a half. Know. They winner. made me then, sweat. He was he figured he was three and oh. Okay. He figured he had a perfect six and oh week. Oh, I'm in the, in the in the bag. Aaron Rodgers is on a cart. It's the first quarter, and I've got the Bills minus two and a half. But you know what? Cash the check. Josh Allen is a turnover machine. He Amel, was a turnover machine. You Last know, year. listen, I'm going to tell you when I got nervous. There was a play where, and this is early in the game, but this is how I am. We know what he's been the last year without Brian Dable, right? So he, there was a play where he scrambled out, got to the sidelines, which is what you want to do as a quarterback. Every opportunity in the world to go out of bounds. He cuts back inside to go head up with a defender. And in my mind, that said, that set a mentality for me. You have not learned anything. You've not learned anything. So you've been that guy to want to run people over and you feel like you've got something to prove there. You could very well still be in your mind, the turnover guy. And I'll be damned as soon as I thought that here they float. You threw the ball to I mean, listen, I'm a DB. Same guy three times. The I'm same a DB guy. guy so I love it that a DB got three interceptions in a game. Three. But I don't love it for this pick. And so, Amal, that's got to get tidied up quickly. Um, I know Stephon Diggs is not – he's not trying to be a part of that. Um, you know, they try to act like that. There's not an issue there. But there is, Amal, and this could – listen, I picked listen, Dallas, both you picked Dallas. our AFC, for the fans out there, Chad had the Bills. I had the Bengals. After week one, our two AFC teams look like shady. ass. They look shady. Wow. We didn't even talk about this, and we'll we'll save it for next week after this week's game. But our NFC pick, the Cowboys, look like team. monsters. By the way, back the, there. the quarterback for the team you picked and the quarterback for the team I picked both had awful games. I awful. mean, they had like historically bad games for each one of them. No, I thought Burrow might have smoked weed before the gamers. I mean, I was like, what is this guy doing? I mean, this is the worst I've seen him look. Listen, uh, they did show a clip of Josh Allen getting tackled face down, hitting the, the turf. He may have been concussed, you know? So, yeah. Let's hope. Because Burrow, if not. <laughs> Burrow threw, less, threw for less than 100, and Josh Allen threw, yeah, had four turnovers. That was bad. So, okay, let's go. Enough with enough with last lamenting our our failures of the last week. You had some more success than failure, but that one hurt. Give me your picks this week. Let's keep it going. You're on fire. Um, I was not all that. I was not a Green Bay Packers supporter coming into the season, and I mean, and of course, I needed to see what number ten was going to do for this team. We hadn't heard anything about him. He was like, you know, the crazy uncle that you keep in the in the basement. 
you know, you come over for Thanksgiving and all that, and you hear him, somebody down there, you just never see him. And that's what Jordan Love has been. I, I have to say I was impressed with, um, you know, I already Jordan knew. Love, Jordan Love is our crazy uncle? Yeah, he was our crazy uncle. We just didn't hear about the guy. Yeah, we knew he was on the team. You know, your uncle's lives over there with your Aunt Betty. You just never see him because he's got <laughs> issues. So, but um, yeah, so Jordan Love, I was impressed. I already knew about the physical skills that he had. Everyone was familiar with that, but I was just really intrigued by his operations, just the way he ran the offense, the decisions that he made, and he allowed the plays to be made by the people who needed to make the plays. It's not this young guy or a guy who has not played who is trying to over-rely, a la Josh Allen, on his physical skill set. He's allowing it to be applied to the offense. And you know what? Just in this one game, he seems to work better in the offense than Aaron Rodgers did in terms of I'm going to go with the play called and I'm going to just ride out. He just, you know, there was no um, passive aggressive behavior. Um, There's no throwing the ball into the ground when you just didn't like the play. He ran the plays the way they need to be played. You know, you have to feel that that, that Aaron Rodgers has to quietly be wondering what the hell did I do? Um, Well, yeah, of course, when your foot's in a boot and you got three plays in, sure. Uh, we're all going yeah. question ourselves. But What the hell did I do? You know, listen, the ground game looks good. Um, the pass catchers did their job and the defense did their thing. And you, you went and won 38 to 20. I'm impressed. I didn't, I'm not impressed with Atlanta. Desmond Ritter didn't show me anything. Um, I think the Packers are a better team. I'm just going to pick the better team in this game. What's the number I need to cross? One and a half we got for you. So you just I, basically okay, uh, yeah, win the game. You win. I'm, I'm going with the okay. better team here. So um, Chad, you, starting you off with the Packers. I'm Where starting are we going you off next? with the Pack. Go Pack, go. Uh, we talked about this, and it's Seattle. Emil, Seattle can't do this two weeks in a row. All right? They just can't. And they're going and facing a team that pulled off a monumental upset on national television – and we know what odds makers like to do in those situations. They're going to pack a little extra cheese on the team that won in the national televised game and pulled off a major upset against the Chiefs. Now, mind you, no Travis Kelsey, no Chris Jones in the middle. I mean, I guess that would have made a difference. But Detroit's full of themselves. And Detroit, while I think they are definitely a a, a team on the rise, um, I don't know if they're ready to... Let me ask you this. Do you think this is a situation where the extra time off for the Lions, the few days, because they played on Thursday, do you think it's actually a detriment to them only because they're they're sniffing themselves a little bit? Yeah, more time to bask in your success. And there's stages to this thing. And and I don't know if Detroit reaches the point where they can, off of a win like that, lay almost a touchdown to a team that was embarrassed last week at home. If Seattle has any pride, yeah, I mean, this is this is you're 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 definitely using a handicapping technique in the NFL that a lot of pros would use and say Seattle lost thirty to thirteen at home to what we believe will end up being a bad Rams team. They're on the road against a team who looked like world beaters, and you're and this getting is the five NFL. and a half points. This is the you're NFL. Grabbing, yeah, you're grabbing five and a half. I'm gonna take it. Um, and if if Seattle can't get that done, you got to be out on them for at least the early part of this season, they're going to really struggle. And then finally talking about another team that lost that's returning home that I believe is an underdog is the uh, Tennessee Titans home off of a disappointing loss in new Orleans. And they're getting a Chargers team, Emil. 
that can't stop a nosebleed right now on defense. I mean, listen, I I love Mike McDaniel as a as a play caller. Um, you know, we'll see what he is as as a head coach. Love him as a play caller. He was dialing it up against that Chargers defense on Sunday, and Tua looked like magic, and they just looked really bad defensively. And I don't think a bad defense travels well. I don't think a bad defense goes and lays points on the road in the NFL. I don't think a bad defense goes on the road and lays points on a team coming home off of a loss. So I like Tennessee to get their act together. And and you know what? I I like your pick here because I I think Tennessee's got a very large advantage in the coaching department. I really like Vrabel. I like, I'm out on Staley, my friend. Yeah, me too. I, I like the way he, I like the way Vrabel motivates his team. I think, I think he'll have them ready to play. I like your pick here because I'm not I'm not big into the Chargers coaching staff, especially the head coach. Yeah, I think he's trying to experiment with coaching. Yes. And that just at some point it's going to rub your 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 team wrong. We've got a limited amount of time to play this game and I don't have time for you to be trying to figure things out or to be, you know, um pulling out test tubes and and trying out things. You know, my career <laughs> could be over in 2 or 3 years. So, yeah, yeah I'm going think, for uh, it on fourth and one from his 20, his own 20. Yeah, I mean, he's out of his mind. And so that's not going to work well in Tennessee with a motivated team in their home opener. Uh, it's going to be Derrick Henry running all down the face of that defense. And for them to fix it, they're going to be exposed in that back half. And so I really suspect Ryan Tannehill will throw the ball to people that are on his team more this week than he did last week. And I like the Titans. What is what's what's the number I've got? So, so Chad's given he's getting three with the Titans there. So he's giving you the Green Bay Packers minus one and a half, the Seahawks plus five and a half, and the Tennessee Titans plus three. I'll make this quick, and we'll we'll, we'll say goodbye for the weekend. I'm starting off. You you mentioned Mike McDaniel. I'm going with your home team there. Gotcha. Uh, I think I think New I think New England put a lot into that game last week with the Eagles. Probably feels like. They let one slip away against against the uh, defending NFC champions. Now they got to get back f- and face a team that's really hot. Was hot last year offensively when Tua played. They're hot offensively to start the season. And to me, I'm kind of using the logic you use with Green Bay. I just think they're the better team here. Two and a half points is what they're laying. It doesn't scare me. They got to win the game. This is not the Tom Brady Patriots. Uh, I'm I'm more I'm very comfortable in September laying two and a half with Miami up in New England. Okay. Yes. Second one. Um, I know they look like trash. I'm kind of using your logic here. The Bengals are a good team. I mean, they played in the Super Bowl two years ago. They they went to the mat last year with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I don't know what happened that first game, and I know they may have some issues along the offensive line. Browns football, a- baby, catch it. It is, and but the Bengals have consistently been able to work around their poor offensive line. I mean, Burrow gets sacked a lot. That's just what happens when the Cincinnati Bengals play. But that was not Joe Burrow last week. And I'm 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 usually a Raven fan, but the Ravens didn't look great last week. I mean, they they ended up winning the game because they just have more talent. But that was not Lamar a Chris Jackson offense. and and, and the, you know the presser this week did admit to being rusty. And we forget he didn't he didn't finish the last half of you know last season a good last five six ball games so yes indeed. to me I'm going here with with pedigree and motivation I think 
the Bengals, nobody wants to get off to an 0-2 start. They especially don't. They've got designs on be trying to be a number one seed. And I think, you know, in that division, going 0-2, especially, you got to hold serve at home. And they're playing the Ravens here. I'm going to take the Bengals and gulp and lay three and a half. The hook always scares me, but I'm going to lay three and a half with the Bengals. And then finally, I've spent most of the show, whenever the topic came up in the NFL, saying how bad of a team I think the Rams are. And I think by the end of the year, that'll prove to be true. And I know they're on back-to-back road games here, but I really like what the 49ers did in Pittsburgh last week. Uh, Purdy's arm looks healed and healthy. They're doing 49er-like things. They just grind it out. And when you look up at the end, you're down 20 points. And to me, I don't see the Rams hanging in there this week. With I think they'll be giddy being having beaten the Seahawks as a big underdog. And I think they're going to get blown out by the 49ers. So I'm going to take the 49ers minus eight. All right. I don't know. I feel iffy about that one, but you feel iffy, huh? I you're, do. You're, I, you're I, I, do. I don't, I don't know what to make. I don't, I, the, the 49ers Pittsburgh game was a, was one of the head scratchers for me. I did not see that game going that way. Could I've seen a 49ers win? Sure. They're the 49ers. They've been um, a really solid football team um, over the last few years. I didn't see it going that way either. I thought that would be a competitive football game. And I was just shocked at a at how ungood Kenny Pickett looked, um, and then just you know how dominant the the 49ers looked on the road in Pittsburgh to open up the season. I will say this: I watched this with my defensive eyes. San Francisco's defense gets after you. They get to the oh. football. Their linebackers are great. We know about their front. Yeah. They're covering in the back half. It's going to be tough sledding against San Francisco all year long for everyone that's on that on that schedule. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a, as a Cowboy fan, I think that that Dallas San Francisco game could be old school. I mean, we that might be the first team that gets to 17 wins that game. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch those two pass rushes. If, you know, if and when that game does unfold, because I think I think you and I had the same NFC Championship game, did we not? Yeah, the question I have with San Francisco, you know, and I know the announcers love the story, and it is a good story. Mr. Irrelevant Purdy is is leading this team, but he he's perfect in that system. But the reason he's perfect in my mind is because they they normally play from ahead, so they're they're able to do their play action, and they have a defense. What I'm interested in, it maybe it will never happen this year. I don't know, but usually you, just want, you want to see when he has to get in shotgun and get down the field and get points back. Yeah, when, when they're down 14 and, and, and the other team doesn't care about play action and they're saying, sure, you want to run the ball? We'll give you we'll give you seven yards. Go ahead. Amal, I don't know how many quarterbacks we have in the league that we've got a ton of faith in in that situation. There's the guy in Kansas City. We both said we don't trust the dude in Buffalo doing that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Do we like Cincinnati in that situation? Do we like Joe Burrow? Like, who do you like? I, I mean, of Mahomes, who do you like in that situation? I mean, I like Burrow. I mean, I'm not going to. Burrow is a great quarterback. He had a bad game. I mean, do you like him down 10 or 14 points in a game? Listen, nobody likes to be down 10 or 14 points. I can just say this for as much as I, as for as much fun as fans like to have with Dak Prescott, I've seen Dak down 14. He's fine. Matter of fact, I like him better when he's out of the shotgun. 
and not thinking too much. Uh, you you might you might be right. You about know what it. I'm saying? What I'm saying with I'm not even saying nobody wants to be down 14. What I'm saying is I want to see what their offense looks like. Can he just make some throws? Right now, the throws he makes are the throws that they want him to make. He doesn't make mistakes. And because of the way they design, and, and kudos to them for the way they do it. I'm saying it's wonderful they've designed this offense. And as long as they're closer ahead, it works. I just want to see him in that. I just, I'm curious more than anything. They're going to be a great team all year. It's not like they're going to have to do it that often. <laughs> I want to close this show out with a hot take, super hot take. Okay. I am saying on this show, the Two Chumps pod, football podcast, right now i'm saying this right now that if you were to put kyler murray in the miami dolphins's offense he'd be the best quarterback in this league what say you on that do you need me to support this um you you mean statistically the best quarterback i mean he's not better than patrick mahomes i think if you gave it a couple of years um, we'd probably start to have that conversation, man. Because I'm telling you this. I watched Tua, who's a damn good quarterback, accurate, works very well within the system, play that game. And the, and the play calls and the, the weapons and the way they attack that defense really scared me as a defense. I told you I watched that game with defensive coordinator eyes. And so when I do that, I try to think of how would I stop this? And when I came up with a few things I said I would do to stop them, I then asked the question, as I did when I was a coach, what would happen if the quarterback can run with the ball? And Amal, almost everything that I came up with was probably not an option if the quarterback could also run the ball. And man, that's what Kyla Murray can do. He's quicker than Tua. He's got a stronger arm. As accurate, uh, there's never been a problem with his accuracy. But if you don't have defenders on the edge off of those bootlegs and some of the other plays that they run, if you don't have an edge and you decided you covered everyone up, so in that, in that case, like Tua might throw the ball away or throw it out of bounds or throw it down into the ground or, or rush for two yards and then get – Kyler Murray has the ability to go 20, 30 yards in those situations. And so now defensively, I've got to call, I've got to make different calls. And so I, what do I call? Well, I, you, if, let if me you give you my hot take as we end the show. You know how you, you might get a chance to see this someday because here's how I would stop it with Tua running it. Hmm. I would send Nick Bosa or Mike, Micah Parsons in there and he'd be having his next meal with a sippy straw. Okay. Listen, I, I listen. I feel you. I totally understand you saying that. I'm telling you this from a coaching standpoint. Things that Mike McDaniel does neutralizes a pass rush. Some of the things that he does. Don't forget, Nick's brother is on that Chargers team, and he couldn't do anything. He couldn't do anything. Got a couple of penalties. Um, they neutralize him with tight ends, with motion, with all kind of stuff. He kind of takes away that stuff. And what is the league right now? It's a pass rush. It's sacking a quarterback. Your team is definitely showing that. Well, and that's what I was going to say to you. I think the key, especially in today's day and age, with the play callers being more creative and mobile quarterbacks, 
the days of sure you you got to have a pre a premier pass rusher no doubt about it like a Lawrence Taylor right but I think you got to have a lot of pass rushers because yes. I think a really good offensive coordinator can scheme one guy out of a game sort of okay yes. but if you're like take Dallas Dallas hasn't had defensive line depth like this in my since and you know I, the fan I am since the mid 90s I will agree, Amo. I saw guys I didn't really know anything about getting it done on Sunday. They've got 10 defensive linemen, got two guys that they sit out certain games. You know, they rotate them for the situation. They've literally got eight to 10 guys that can get after a quarterback. Yeah. I I would say to you, I would build a defense in this day and age. And I'm a DB through and through. Um, Yeah, it's my business. I would build it from from the pass rush. I would start there. I would get good guys. Because that's the way the, only, the yeah. rules, the rules dictate, I mean, sure, you can't hurt the quarterback, but you can still tackle him. Harass that's him. Easy, it's easier to do than guys like your business. What, why you're good at what you do is you actually get guys to learn how to cover receivers. Cause in this, that's a, the hardest thing right now. How do you cover these talented guys without making penalties or getting called for penalties? It's yeah. hard. I will say this. This weekend, when the Giants go and play the Cardinals and Daniel Jones drops back to pass and sets his feet and makes a throw, it will be the first time this season that he's done that because, Amol, he was running for his life every snap in that game against the Cowboys. But- Listen, his mobility probably saved him five more sacks. He, oh, no he doubt. Leg- if- yeah, if he's he Kirk Cousins, if he's Kirk yeah. Cousins, he's out for the season. Um, he's out for the season. Yeah, he's out for the season. You can't put Kirk Cousins behind that Giants line or in front of whatever the Cowboys. No, he looked like you know he looked like the pinata at a at a six year old's birthday party when they give the kid the stick. <laughs> uh, look, I'm telling you, there were some really good tweets on Sunday night having to do with Daniel Jones versus that defense. But I am going to repeat my hot take again, Kyler Murray. In Mike McDaniel's Dolphins offense, of, with Jalen Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill, of course, sure, would be the top quarterback in the league. Book well, it, you have it, folks. We'll, we, we'll never find out. That's, that's just my Chump, thought. Chump number one has just said that Kyler Murray in the Dolphins number one offense, quarterback. In, if he played one for the Dolphins, in the and he was in. Yes, that's 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 my take. But all right, that's it for us, man. We we covered a lot of ground here. Aaron Rodgers, Mel Tucker. Bama's dynasty is it dead? Uh, we, Emil and I have, you know, most Get of us the shovel out. It might not be dead yet, but it, it's we're at least checking out plots. We've been to a few funeral homes. We've taken a look around, um, and we're checking the life insurance policy on the Bama dynasty. Uh, we went through last. By week. the way, I don't really, you know, I'm not really a Bama hater. I kind of like. I think college football is better when teams like Alabama are really good. I'm a full-on Nick Saban supporter. He's been me too. I love when Nick I I love Nick Saban. I want him when he does retire, I want him in the studio because I think he's actually a very funny man. Yes. Um I think he's been good for college football. He's been good for the guys that he's coached. He's been good on the business side of it. Um and if he's not going to be in the studio Full time, I would I I sincerely hope Nick Saban goes around and talks around the country to business leaders and and does talks on leadership and things of that nature because um he's been really really good. But hey, listen, we covered last week. We got you set up for this week in terms of picks. So you guys jump all over that. I sense my friend here is gonna get out of his early season funk and get running because he's gonna do it at some point. 
So, um, you know, turn a deaf ear to what he said this week. If you want to, you might miss out on some winners. But, hey, listen, we want to thank you guys for listening. I didn't give you the whole dissertation in the beginning. But, listen, if you've gotten this far, definitely. That means you love the show. So if you haven't subscribed already, go do that. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe. Or subscribe to us if you're listening to us on stream on a podcast, however you get your podcast. Do that. And we'll be back next week. For Amo Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for watching the Two Chumps Football Podcast. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.